Welcome everybody to the Spartans, Wolverines, and Beards podcast. I am your co-host Jordan. And I'm Lane, and this is the home of the Opinionated Sports Podcast. podcast this is episode three um thank you guys for coming back thank you for all the likes and shares and listens it's been it's been great so far we are blown away with all the support still we've got a lot of comments from people via text and just other messages saying they like it somebody told me it was good lawn mowing material so when they mow their lawn, they listen to us. Hey, we'll take it. Anyway, any way you want to listen to what we're talking about is good for us. But please make sure if you like what you hear, like and share it. Um, and Lane's going to Lane's gonna let you know where you can find us on social media. Yeah. Uh, if you like what you hear, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Spartans, Wolverines, and Beards Podcast, as well as on Twitter at the Spartans, Wolverines, and Beards Podcast uh, Twitter page. Um, speaking of social media, this week we have one of our conversation pieces comes from social media where we had a listener post on our Facebook page and ask or tell us the story of my five-year-old was backpack shopping for school. My wife FaceTimes me and shows me what backpack he wants. She flips the camera around and he's holding a black and green Spartan logo. Beautiful. <laughs> First words out of my mouth are no. Then he looks at me with those sad puppy eyes. My question is, do you guys draw the line in the sand like I did? I felt bad because I couldn't let it happen. So after five different stores, he finds a Michigan bag he likes, but still isn't happy with me because I told no with the Spartan bag. <laughs> I love it. I, that's that's awesome. So thank you, Chad, for commenting and posing that question to us. Um, I'll lead off with it. Um, like it. For me, as long as it's not a Notre Dame or Ohio State bag, I'm I'm fine with it, man. It's it doesn't bother me. It's would I be disappointed? Absolutely, but I don't know. Could be worse. Could be an Ohio State bag, you know, oh, well, that would or an Notre Dame bag. Then I'd tell the kid he's adopted or something like that. Just yeah. uh, hurt his heart like you hurt mine. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, my daughter's only two, so she's a little farther away from being able to. Uh, distinguish all of that but uh it's a hard pass for me i'm following your footsteps chad that ain't happening in my house i'd, oh. get, I'd be disowned from my, my own family if i allowed it to happen <laughs> so i mean it's 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 not gonna happen in my in my household but you know i i can i can understand the the dilemma and the the feeling when you see those puppy dog eyes but 
Uh, I'm, I'm staying go blue all the way, but you know, everybody has to handle their situations differently. So, uh, the second thing we're going to kind of touch on here is news before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of this episode is, um, the new uniforms that were unveiled for the Michigan State Spartans for this year. And I got to tell you, I mean, there was a little thing that came out a while back that kind of like teased these uniforms. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, yuck. Like they tried to rip off the Seahawks. Yeah. Kind of jersey scheme. And I think even somebody pointed out on Twitter that they had a Seahawks glove in the mock. Like they did, the you know, mannequin I, was wearing it. He was wearing yep. a Seahawks glove. Yep. So I'm personally, I think they're hideous. But as a little caveat, some of the things that I've listened to and like podcast wise and other local things, somebody did say that they, you know, one of the radio shows I listened to, said that they're plugged into an individual at Michigan State. And they said that a lot of the recruits like the uniforms. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what, but I think, because right. one, I'm a Michigan fan, so they don't give a damn what I think. Boom. But if the recruits like it, I guess that's all that matters. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how, but I, and I did ask one of my really good friends who's a Michigan State fan his thoughts on it, and I don't have it directly right here in front of me, but... He kind of summarized it and just said basically what I did, but it, he wasn't the biggest fan of it. But, you know, he said it was – actually, I hear it is right here. Not my preference most of the time. When I look at them, it's like, uh, I don't really like them. But if that's what the players like, that's what the players like. So, you know, that's kind of the consensus. If players like it, players like it. But as a casual fan, I'm not a fan. Lane, where are you at with them? I mean, it's – yeah. Uh... Somebody at Under or at Nike approved those. Like, yeah, some somebody was like, "Oh, let's just do shades of green and sharpie and permanent marker and, and a giant state across the front." Exactly. And I feel like that's ignorantly yeah. big. Like you remember, like an NCAA football in the old days, where you can make the the jerseys. Yeah, and yeah. You could like make the spots. <laughs> I think somebody just got drunk or high and just they made one of those and said. <laughs> Send it. Absolutely. Um, you know, but I mean, in all reality, I they're whatever to me. I mean, to me, what matters more than anything is what's underneath those that jersey. Um, and the states, in which we'll talk more about in a few minutes. State's got a lot to prove this year. Um, recruiting wise, that's one thing I've read a lot is that recruits are now looking more to what are my jerseys going to look like? What's what's this going to look like? Which to me. I, I don't give a damn. Yeah, I could wear a potato sack out there as long as I'm winning ball game. It's the old adage, look good, play good. Exactly. I know a lot of guys say that. but Yeah, and, I, and it, yeah, look good, play good. And I think Michigan State right now needs something flashy because Michigan State's never been a sexy team. Um, it's very much old school Big Ten, nothing sexy about you. Right. So, I mean, if there's anything out there that can get you talking about the program, um, I think it's, it's good press for them. I mean, um, any press is good press, right? It doesn't matter if it's 
Well, it's not, not. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Breaks here, yeah, yeah. Given some of the things that have come out, yeah. Recently, let's like, maybe that's not yeah, true. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, if it's it gets people talking about Michigan State and their football program, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Um, me personally. I don't know. I, I don't mind them. I don't think they're as bad as people are letting on. Um, I don't know. I just, to me, it's more matters what's underneath that jersey and what's what the seasons looks like. Because you could be, we could go out this year and be absolute dog crap, and we wear those jerseys like, oh great, dog crap jersey to match a dog crap team. Now you're colorful dog crap. Exactly. Now we're colorful <laughs> dog crap. Or we could go out this year and just kill it, and then you've got just a little bit more swagger, and they're like, oh, Michigan State's rocking these new jerseys this Drawing year. Drawing attention to it. Exactly. Yeah. So, to me, I'm. it's whatever for 50, me. 50-50. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started on our actual topics for this week. And as we previewed to you last week, we are going to deep dive. This is my favorite part of all of this. Besides maybe recruiting, it's close, coin toss, I don't know. But we're going to get deep into anything and everything about our teams. Offense, defense, special teams, maybe a little bit of recruiting, just a little bit of everything. So this, these are going to get long, I have a feeling, because I think both of us are going to be able to, to really dig down. And then we both wrote down a few questions that we had for each other. So we'll see. And as we go, if, if Lane doesn't answer the questions that I have written down, then we'll ask him at the end. If he does, I'll kind of interject, and he's going to do the same when, when I go on Michigan. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Lane's going to go ahead and start start digging into the trenches on Michigan State and kind of give you the rundown top to bottom, kind of where he sees, what he sees, and what he feels, and kind of where he sees this whole thing going. So Lane, why don't you go ahead and get us rolling. All right. So overall, uh, just starting off with Michigan State football's 2019 recruiting, uh, I wrote down just a, a few recruits that I'm – decently excited for. Um, before I even do that, just going over it, this year's class, that's a typical Michigan State class, you're not getting the five-star recruits as Michigan, as Ohio State, as other teams are in our conference. However, um, D'Antonio is a master of turning these smaller recruits into big-time players. Um, and I just went with a few guys that I feel like he possibly could be doing that with. Um, so just dump it in. First guy I'm really excited about is uh, Devontae Dobbs out of Belleville. Um, he's the 13th-ranked lineman in the nation, 6'3", 297 pounds, pretty big boy. Um, every indication I've read in camp so far, he's – looked very good um overview just with him going into the season if it's anything like last season he's going to see playing time uh we couldn't keep an offensive line healthy and save save our lives um that's eventually he was a four star which is our highest ranked recruit this year and actually he started out as a five star yeah he was a he yep. was a mid-range five star when when a lot of a lot of the rankings go off of it. and i don't know about you but just as a thing when i talk about recruiting i talk 24 7s composites yeah that's i don't i mean at. i know because they take that way they take theirs rivals and espn they put them all together yep i think 
think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. So if you hear me talking recruiting, I'm talking composite rankings, and I think it sounds like Lane is. Yep. So. Yep. Exactly. Got the same in, uh, bit of information. Uh, second guy I'm really excited about is uh, Julian Barnett. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a stud for us. Uh, we brought him in at a corner, but this year at camp, you started at wide receiver. Um, every indication I've led or I've read, excuse me, is that he uh, sounds like a reincarnation to Justin Lane, which that's going to be good. Uh, if he can start at wide receiver, and if we need getting a pinch and we need him play corner, great. Give me a guy that can play both sides of the ball, and I think you're going. That's one recruit I'm really thinking we're going to. Uh, get some good results out of. Uh, next one is uh, Luke Fulton, uh, inside linebacker, uh, 6'3", 218 pounds. Pretty big dude for being that young. Uh, taking consideration he's 18, 19, and still growing. I mean, that's... And he is, he's not in a college weight program. Exactly. Yet. He's not in a college weight program. I realistically think you could see him at 6'3", 230, yeah. playing either the mic or the... Uh, Mike or the Will? Yeah, Mike or the Will. Yeah, sorry about that. Can't read my handwriting. Um, he's shown a lot of prowess in high school. Uh, another guy that, to me, feels like he could feel, fill the uh, Max Bola kind of role, if I could do a comparison for Michigan State linebackers. Um, he looks very, tape I've seen, he looks like he can take over a game defensively. Uh, Next guy, I am excited to see, which, unfortunately, looks like there's some red tape going on with him as a Trayvon Morgan, uh, 6'6", 215. Uh, wasn't able to participate in camp because I know they're working on some logistical stuff. Uh, one of the greatest comparisons he's getting is Plaxico Burris. Is it transcript or is it like grades? Is it? I think it is. Yeah. I, th I think it's grades, which, God, I hope. That's something you just never want to deal with. No, absolutely such a, not. Such a pain. And if... With us losing uh, Felton Davis last year, if we can get a guy to step into a similar role where we can just throw balls up and say, go get it. And, I mean, it's, that's that's huge. Right. Especially in Big Ten when you got a 5'11 corner covering you. You can <laughs> get over the top of them. Um, another guy that, unfortunately, won't be playing this year, but I am very excited to see in 2021, or actually the 2020 season, is uh, Jaden Reed. Western Michigan transfer uh, as a freshman came in at 797 yards, eight TDs. Shows a lot of promise. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't granted the waiver to play this year, which is I just can't stand that, that. stuff. Is a joke. He's not a money maker because exactly that's why he can't get granted. Yeah, exactly. Justin Fields gets in with nothing, like yeah. no proof of anything. But yeah, I digress. Yeah. Yeah, screw Ohio State. Anyways, um, so then when I'm just rolling into the office, offense this year, um, it's a weird year for offense for us because we've got a new OC, Brad Salem. Um, they're not showing their hand. They're, they're very tight. They're very tight-lipped about this, which makes me happy. Um, when it was spring game this year, it was a very vanilla type offense, nothing exciting. Um, Lewerke had come out and already said, though, that he feels like it's going to be a more up-tempo offense, which I think suits this team very well, um, especially with Lewerke at the helm. If we have Rocky Lombardi come in, it's going to be a different story. Um, those are some notes. Also, I have Dave Warner's now the QB coach, which... Wasn't he the OC last year? Yeah, he was the OC. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I know they kind of did the rearranging of the yeah. chairs on the Titanic for the yeah. coaching staff, but I can't follow all that. So, which I hope Dave can get a better handle as a QB coach this year, as opposed to offense coordinator last year. Maybe he had too much on his plate, and that's that's what I'm thinking. Is he just had way too much on his plate? Um, but just getting a little bit more into Brad Salem. Uh, some past history for him at his old uh, D2 school, uh, Augustania. Um, he was 31, 26, and five seasons. However, his last two, he was 16 and eight. Um, and 2008, they set an all time record with 2,400 rushing yards and 31 TDs. He typically runs more of a spread offense, which to me, it's not like offensively Michigan State is gearing up for 21st century football. <laughs> As opposed to just load the box, I'm going to run it down your throat. We're going to spread the box. We're going to run it down your throat. Right. Um, and then just jumping into some of our, our standouts or returning starters, uh, Lewerke, I guess my biggest concern for him is in 2017, he threw for 2,800 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 7 picks. Last year, 2,000 passing yards, 8 TDs, 11 picks. Yeah, so, I mean, he had that shoulder issue that was – it was talked about, but I don't, know, right. I don't know that they ever really said exactly what it was. No, I... I mean, Jim Harbaugh flat out said after the game, he's like, he looks like somebody who's throwing with a torn shoulder. Yeah. I mean, it, it was very visible something was wrong with him. Yeah. And so, I'm, hang on, on the little worky thing, one of the questions I wrote down for you about Michigan State's offense was, is this entire offense leaning on him? Like, is it... If the worky's good, we're good, and if he's bad, we're bad. Or is it? Is it? Is there other? Is there enough pieces that it's not all on the worky? Because what I think is, I think it's right now everybody's saying, if Brian the worky, if Brian the worky, if Brian the worky, I don't think that's a good position no, to be in. And I, I wonder what your thought was on it because that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. From what I'm listening to is that people are putting on him. Yeah, and I, and I hear a lot of this, the same stuff. Um, it's tough because there's just so many variables going into the season. Um, do we, if we run a spread offense, yeah, it's on the worky. I mean, I, I personally love Rocky Lombardi. Dude's a tough ass guy. Uh, all state champion wrestler comes out. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's all state champion wrestler. Yeah, he's he is a tough guy. Which to me, he's the kind of quarterback I want. Um, I don't know. It's tough because Michigan State's offensively, they've got a lot of returning pieces that should carry the load if something happens. <laughs> I didn't feel like a, didn't feel like a confidence. It's show. not, man. I mean, it's. <laughs> You look at last season and the train wreck of just injury after injury after injury. We didn't start the same offensive line all season. That right. that that's that hard. That's hard. Um, to me, it, it's just all going to come down to what that offense is. Yeah. Is it is it a spread offense? Because if it's a spread offense, then yeah, it's going to come down to Lewerke and it's going to come down to his legs. Right. Because I. Is he going to be like last season? He rushed for 200 yards. Right. That was it. Well, and I think I think they're they're better when he's under center mm-hmm. when he's creating. I mean, yeah. look at that the game in Ann Arbor that yep. a couple years ago when it was the monsoon. I was there. 
they don't win that game yeah. without him running the ball like he did. Oh, absolutely. He not. just he just improvised. I mean, yeah. plays broke down, and typical Michigan, they can't handle a scrambling quarterback. Since I've been alive, they haven't been able to do it. So I mean, and so I think it's better for them yeah. if they if he's healthy enough that they can run him. And you don't need to do him like J T. Barrett running twenty five times a game, but no. he needs to carry the ball ten to twelve times a game, in my opinion, just to keep defenses well, honest. And if you have that, that opens up their own pass option. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, and that's one thing I think it's going to just depend on his legs. Sure. It, it Can he improvise? Can he be the athlete that he was two years ago? Or are they going to say, nope, stay in the pocket, be a pocket passer? Because if they are, give me Rocky Lombardi. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Sure. Um, and just touching more on their offense, uh, right now we're looking at Connor Hayward leading the way. I love Hayward. To me, he's kind of a Jerome Bettis kind of feel. Um, he's a bigger guy. He's he's going to put his head down, and he's going to punish you. Um, last year, he rushed for 530 yards, five TDs. This year, there's no L.J. Scott, which there's speculation. They, I mean, they've got a lot of a lot of horses in the pen right now that they could, could go to at running back. Uh, what I'm really excited about this season is our wide receiver position. Bring back Cody White. A healthy Cody White. He has to be a stud. Yeah, he has to be He has to be healthy. He missed all of last October. Don't know if you knew that. Um, if he comes back and he's healthy and he's playing like freshman Cody White, not worried about it. It's going to be interesting, though, to see... Because Cody White's not the tallest guy in the world. And then their next receiver, Darrell Stewart, not the tallest. Wasn't he hurt all last year, too? He was hurt for... He was hurt. He was banged up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in those positions. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up, uh, maybe as a slot or something along those lines. Just another Um, option. Right. And one position I feel like more than anything is that we need to be better at is the tight end position. Um, last year, our tight end, our leading contender, was 14 receptions, 160 yards. Yeah, you can't have that in the Big Ten. Well, especially now with the offense they were running. Exactly. You can't have that. Um, it's a very similar situation that you saw with the Lions last year. Stafford didn't have a tight end. He didn't have that relief valve right. to throw to, and he just struggled. And I, I really hope that we incorporate the tight end better this year. Um, I hope that Matt Dotson can take a leap. He has to. For this offense to succeed, he has to be better. Who was the tight end last year? Was it Sokol? Is that his name? I think so. Yeah, had a pretty I'm good, drawing a blank. They out. had a pretty good tight end that just never yeah, seemed to be used last yep. year. Yeah. Yep, they just never utilized him. Yeah. Um, this year on offensive line, returning all-starters, five juniors, which the good news is about being all banged up last season. Everybody got playing experience. Well, that's one of my questions. I have, can the offensive line just get in the way? Because last year, like you said, the offensive line was banged up. You never had the same unit starting. So they never built that cohesiveness that an offensive line needs. So can they just get in the way of people like on pass blocking? Can they just, just be part of it? I think that's, in my opinion, that's bigger than the work is your offensive line. Oh, I, I really agree. Um, Offensive line is everything, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, we saw last year 
Bullrick, he was running for his life. Lombardi was running for his life, had no time to throw the rock. When that happens, I mean, bad things are going to happen. Um, I think if, like you said, if they can just literally get in the way and block somebody, we're fine. Um, and I, and overall in the Big Ten, it's defensively, it's a different year. Um, you don't have Chase and, and Gary and Bush and those guys rushing you all the time. It's it's a different year for the Big Ten. Um, and then speaking of defenses, I will go ahead and roll into my deep dive of the Michigan State defense. Just a fun fact, did you know that since 2011, there have only been two teams with six-time top ten defenses? Hmm. One of them is Michigan State, and if you could guess, who's the other one? Since when? 2011. 2011, two times in the top ten. Six times in the top ten. Six times, oh, six times in the top ten. Well, since 2011... Oof. It's a tough one. Boy, I don't know. Alabama? Yep. Alabama. Yeah. It's the only other thing I can think of. <laughs> Pretty good company to be. Because you go down to 2011, Michigan's defenses were not good. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's to be in. Yeah. Uh, last year we're number one against the run in 2018, so I think they're going to keep that up this year. Uh, they return all front four defensive linemen this year, which is huge. Um, possibly the best front four that D'Antonio's had in East Lansing. I think you could definitely argue that. Uh, Joe Bocci and Tyree Thompson are uh, returning linebacker positions. I love Bocce. He's a gamer. I he hate is, him. He is I, a I, gamer. I respect him. <laughs> he is. He's good. Um, also bring back three uh, starters that are secondary. Uh, headlined by Josiah Scott and uh, Josh Butler. Josiah Scott, I think, is going to be another lineage of the no-fly zone in East Lansing. Uh, to add to that, all that returning last year was finishing the top ten, kind of what we just touched on. So then rolling into this Michigan State defense, returning 9 of 11 starters. Very deep this year. Uh, starts and begins with Kenny Willekes. Uh, what shape is he in coming off a broken leg? Yeah. Because it's not like he suffered it early in the season. Yeah. He suffered it late. So he never got a chance to test it. Exactly. Is, is he going to have, like you said, case of the yips? Is he... When he plants, is he going to be a little nervous? Is he going to be nervous to go balls to the wall and go after somebody? Me, personally, I don't think that's going to be a case because he doesn't strike me as that type of player. Right. He's a walk-on, so they're tougher. Exactly. Um, We've talked about in our first episode, uh, he's a 2018 Defensive Lineman of the Year for the Big Ten. Uh, Led the Big Ten with 20 and a half tackles for loss. It's pretty impressive. Also, bringing back alongside Raekwon Williams, Space filler. He's, he's a big dude. He's a big, he's dude. A big dude. He's quick. Um, alongside him is Mike Pans, uh, Panaswick. Another big dude, another space filler. Those two, to me, got to double team one of them because they're going to plug holes. I mean, Raekwon Williams reminds me of Snacks in a way. He is a beast against the run. Um, and then also on the D line, bring back Mike's brother, Jacob. It's another. Interesting character this season. Uh, he's 15 pounds lighter than he was last year. A lot better shape, a lot healthier. 
So I look for him and Willikus to put some pressure on people this year. Um, going into our linebacking core, it's headlined by Joe Bocci. Last year he had 102 tackles. One interception, though, which in 2017 he had three. I think he has to be better in the pass defense. He has to be able to play better in man and zone situations, I think especially zone. I believe it was the Utah State game. Granted, it's week one. He got lit up. I mean, just little button hooks, little slants over the middle. He, he got eight up. Um, he also brings back alongside him Antoine Simmons. Uh, 2018 only had 32 tackles. Said he's going to be playing the star position. Makes me pretty excited about that. And then the secondary, the no-fly zone, pray to God. Um... <laughs> Headlined by Josiah Scott. Uh, last year, 13 tackles, 7 passes, deflected, 2 INTs. Another guy that wasn't 100% healthy last year. He's got to be healthy. Uh, same with David Dowell, starting off at a safety position. He had 60 tackles, 2 INTs. He's got to be better. Um, that might be also because these INTs are down because Michigan State wasn't winning very many ball games. People weren't throwing the ball a lot sure. when it came down to time to pick up some INTs. And with special teams, it, it seems to me every year Michigan State always has that perennially good kicker. Um, Matt Coughlin last year was 18 for 22, 82%, uh, 4 for 5 from 40 to 49. Didn't hit anything past 50. That's got to get better. Um, our punter is a sixth-year senior. Hmm. Yeah, he just. Hear those I, right yeah, you don't hear that very often. I feel like JT Barrett was one of those guys. Yeah, fourteenth-year. Yeah, yeah, he was like thirty-five when he graduated. Um, last year, though, his longest punt seventy-four yards. That's a boot. It's a good roll. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, interesting enough, a punter coming off a broken leg. Oh. Yeah. That, is that, that talk about yips. <laughs> yeah, is that the case, is that the kiss of death for him? I mean what's what he yeah. what is he gonna look like? Sure. Um they get a kick return unit, the tab that Darrell Stewart will be returning kicks. I think he's the perfect guy for that position, quick. Um, not the biggest guy, so you can lose him relatively easily if you get a big enough blockers ahead of him. Um Punter turns Jalen uh, Naylor. Uh, he only re- for receiving last year only had eight uh, receptions, 138 yards. Kind of excited to see what he's going to look like. And there's speculation that another sixth-year senior, Brandon Sowards, might be that guy that plays that punt return role. Um, really, when I just when I do the deep dive and I look at this Michigan State team. My recurring theme and question and concern is what is their health? Sure. And it, it, last year was a lost season. Um, I hear a lot of Michigan fans say, well, D'Antonio's record the past three years is this and that. Records do speak volumes. But look at the injuries. Sure. You tell me that Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, teams like that go through those injuries and turn out it's hard to be successful. Yeah, exactly. It, it's hard to be successful. And I think Michigan State needs to stay healthy. If we stay healthy, we, the sky's the limit. I mean, it's open. I think we can have some good battles this year. 
I'm optimistic. I'm excited about this Michigan State team this year. It feels like a team that's being slept on by a lot of people. Um, and it could be a team that comes out and surprises a bunch of people. Do I think they're a playoff contender? Absolutely not. It's not there. Right. But do I think they're a guy that or a team that could contend for a Big Ten title? Yeah, I do. If they stay healthy. Sure. So the only question that I have that you didn't answer, and I'm assuming that kind of wraps you up there. Yeah. The yep. only question I wrote, and it's my number one question, and you kind of hinted at it there at the end, but you didn't fully answer it, is if they stay healthy and things relatively, because nobody stays fully healthy, and they have a bad year, like 500 or sub 500, is D'Antonio on the hot seat? Yeah. He has to be. Yeah. I kind of feel that way, too. Like you said, he's had good success, but he, he, you have to be realistic here. Um, when you look at this Michigan State team, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors coming back this year. If you end up 7-5 and five again, yeah, D'Antonio deserves to be on the hot seat. Oh, wow. So you're thinking 7-5 even. Yeah. Like I was thinking 500 or less. I mean, if you have a winning season, especially in the Big Ten East. Yeah. I mean, 7-5, and five, yeah, it's not great. Nobody wants 7-5, and five, but that's not. In my opinion, it's not like, oh, you should fire your most successful coach ever. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah I get that. No, I get that. It's... He definitely would deserve to be on that seat. Um, you gotta, at the same time, college you gotta make lemons out of lemonade, and you got a big old pitcher eliminator right now. Yeah. Uh, you've got to focus, you've gotta get your guys ready. You can't go and play in Arizona State and crap the bed. You can't, granted, Arizona State's coming to us this year, which makes me extremely happy because Big Ten teams historically don't perform worth the crap against West Coast teams. Um, but no, I, I do feel like D'Antonio should be on the hot seat if it's 7-5. and five. It, It's not good enough. Sure. You, when you've had the success where we've won Big Ten titles, where we've been to the playoffs, we've run a, won a Rose Bowl, and then you start to see that decline, and you have the talent there right now, it's the rumbling is going to start 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 happening. I mean, sure. it, I don't like it because I agree. I think if you were to fire D'Antonio, it would be probably one of the worst mistakes you've made. Unless they go hire Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi would not be terrible. But <laughs> Pat, Pat Narduzzi ain't leaving, leaving Northwestern for state. <laughs> no, that's Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Narduzzi, oh. you're old DC. That's oh God, at, yeah, Narduzzi. I think, at, I think he's at Pittsburgh. Oh shoot, yeah, that's my bad. So um, yeah. Yeah, Narduzzi might come back. But regardless, I think he, if they're not healthy, or if they don't perform well and they are healthy, yeah, he's on the hot seat. So one other point I wanted to bring up, and kind of related to what you said, a little bit off it, but you talked about recruiting to begin with and how it's a typical Michigan State class. Um, the one point of that I'm going to disagree with a little bit is if you go back and look at, and I went back to since D'Antonio was hired, and mm -hmm. I looked at every class where he finished, obviously, mm -hmm. and we're still not finished. There's still a long ways to go in this recruiting cycle. The worst he ever finished was 42nd. And right now they're sitting 53rd. Right. And they're behind schools like Tulane and Tulsa, like schools they should not be behind. And there's there's something that I found interesting when I when I got, I thought that was surprising how low they were. So I dug a little bit into the in-state recruiting because you got to win at an in-state yeah. to win. And the pre-Harbaugh years mm -hmm. when Michigan was in the dumps and it was just awful, Brady Hope couldn't do anything, Richard couldn't do anything, 
Michigan State was winning the state of Michigan in the top. I looked at the top ten recruits in state every year. So in 14, 15, and 16, so last Hoke year and then the first two years of hardball, mm-hmm. they were they got four, four, four. And those are the top ten guys in Michigan. Michigan got three, two, and two. Mm-hmm. So they were winning. And then in 17 is when it started to turn. They got two of the top ten. Mm-hmm. Michigan got seven. Yeah. And then in 18, it was three and four, so a little closer. And then last year is two and two. And right now it's three. And then Michigan State doesn't have a top 15 player in the state of Michigan signed right now. To me, that says something, that the kids in the state are looking at Michigan State and saying, hey, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, You had the whole controversy last year. Yeah, the disgustingness that happened, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't help. You have a black That's a bad look. You, you can't. That's hard to overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's hard because... And couple that with a couple down years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... That is bad for any program. Um, it's kind of alluding back to our beginning segment. Why do you think they're coming out with these new jerseys? Yeah, I mean, true. if we say kids like jerseys, they want to wear the coolest swag. Yeah. The state's going to get into that game, and they're going to say, hey, we're different from Michigan because we're going to, yeah, you can get your Jordans, but we're going to have some badass uniforms. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting this season. Like you said, you couple that with the past history in the past year or two, what's going on in the entire college, and then you couple that along with down years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just thought it was an interesting. Trip. No, that is that it, it's very interesting, and it's it's hard to go against Harbaugh because everybody knew when Michigan came in right. or when he came into Michigan, Harbaugh was gonna was going to dominate the scene. Right. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting just to see how everything pans out in the next year or two. If we have an up year, are we going to get back to those old numbers? I don't know. It it's tough, man. Yeah. No, that was those were the those are the big things I saw. So I just I, I was curious, thought it was interesting. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Or? No, go green. Uh, this is this is another good year. Let's go out. Let's shock the world. Oh, that's a Michigan line. You nah. can't use that. Jawan Howard begs to differ. Oh, hell with Jawan Howard. Oh, easy. <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to basketball. We'll get there. <laughs> So Jordan, uh, how are we looking for Michigan this year? Yeah, so Michigan, um, I think that they've been in the news a lot, obviously because of the the offseason hirings, Josh Gaddis, and all the just all the typical Michigan fans blowing everything up and in my opinion overhyping things. But I'm gonna go ahead and start out with the offense because that seems to be the hot commodity this year what everybody's talking about and what everybody's curious about and obviously we, we don't know what Josh Gaddis' yeah. offense truly is he's never been a play caller he's been in a lot of offenses that were successful uh, he started out at Western Michigan helping I think he was a wide receivers coach there Yeah. which is an interesting thing about Josh Gaddis is he played obviously but he was a defensive player he, I think he played safety, safety okay. in the corner in college, and I think he had a small step in the NFL. So he wasn't even an offensive guy huh. coming into the, everything. So it was interesting. He And I remember when he got hired, they did a thing on him, and they asked, well, why offense? And he said, because that's where I had a chance. 
because like, I, I had a chance to be in the offense because I got to do anything just to be in football. So I took the opportunity that I had. So that tells you there it's just somebody that wants to be around football. He doesn't care how he's got to do it. He'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. And he learned from a lot of great offensive minds. You know, at, at uh, with James Franklin, who obviously yeah. terrible in-game coach, but can recruit the hell out of anything, and seems to have a decent mind when it comes to offense. And then with um, Moorhead, Joe Moorhead from Penn State. Yep. Obviously, he's a brilliant mind. I think he made Trace McSorley and yeah. obviously made Saquon Barkley better. Saquon's obviously a stud, but then you go to Alabama and you just learn from the plethora of knowledge is there with Loxley being what he is and I think wasn't Sark there for a while. Yeah, Sark was there. So yeah. you have another brilliant mind and then you just get to be around Nick Saban and figure out how he cheats. I mean, runs his program <laughs> and and all that. So he has great experience and great just just an, an intuition to the game. You can see that and I listened to his press conference I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. His first time being available to the media and it's just you like listening to the guy because he's energetic. He's he's he wants to be there and he's talking and you just you feel into what he's saying. Different from like a Don Brown on the defensive yeah. side where Don Brown talks and he makes you just want to run your head through that damn wall. Yeah, Josh Gaddis just keeps bringing you in. He keeps yeah. just he. It's, so it's it's refreshing to see from an offensive guy where in the past it's been yeah you've had Pep Hamilton and you've had Tim Drevno and you've had these other names that are running the offense, but you always knew it was Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, you always knew it was his decisions and. I love Harbaugh. He's the best guy for Michigan. There's no better coach out there for Michigan, but I think it is time for him to, as they've been saying, give the keys to somebody else. Be the CEO. Let Gaddis have this offense. And everything you see in the spring game and – which obviously the spring game was tough for Michigan because they had so many injuries this spring. You didn't get to see hardly any of the key guys that you wanted to see. But um, what you saw in the spring game was he was out of it. And then in the in his press conference, Gaddis was straight up asked. You know, the, the comments been made that, you know, is this gonna really gonna be your offense? Has has Harbaugh been hands off? He's like, he hasn't been in any of our offensive meetings. He's like, we have our staff meetings before everything and then we all go do our things he's not even in the offensive room so that's refreshing to hear that's yeah that's good it, for you guys. it needs to be that way i mean harbaugh needs to just run the ship steer the ship and let your guys let your guys do all the other work so hopefully things go that direction and they stay in that path because i honestly believe that our offense is our strength this year yeah i wear in past years, you know, it's always been, oh, you got a top five defense. That's just phenomenal. Well, I think our offense is loaded. I mean, and any any offense starts at the quarterback position. Obviously, Shea Patterson returning and having a second year in this system, a second year understanding everything that is and has to do with Michigan is huge. But I think the bigger part of that is you have Dylan McCaffrey standing behind him who is pushing his ass to the limit. Because Dylan McCaffrey probably starts at just about every single other Big Ten yeah. school right now. Yeah. I mean, that kid from everything you read and everything you see is a stud. Yeah. So I think that's good because it, it keeps Shea from getting complacent. Now, I think Shea is the better athlete. I mean, he was rated where he was when he came out of high school for a reason. Right. So that's good. And then Joe Milton behind him. I know there's a lot of guys that don't like Joe Milton because of what they saw in his high school tape was, hey, numbers weren't good. But he's got everything built about him that says, I could be an NFL talent. We'll just see kind of how he shapes. Yeah. So Very Dwayne Haskins. He's, he's got the body and the arm for sure. So it'll be interesting. And then Harbaugh's comments at media days about how Shea and Dylan are both going to play. And Gaddis said it best in his conference. You want 
both your quarterbacks to be play. He's yeah. be ready to play. We he's like we prep one through three for every game mm-hmm. because if one goes down, now two becomes one, and guess what? Now your three is your backup. Yep. So, I mean that's good. You want that competition. You want that build there. I I think our quarterback room is one of the best in the country right now. I mean it's so deep with everything we've got there. I have zero concern there. So. You you don't you just mentioned about how deep your quarterback position is. I, think I, I know what's coming here. Yeah, um, a buddy of mine at work. He and I discuss this probably every couple weeks. Actually, do you keep all those guys with the new these new transfer rules? You got a Milton that's sitting there and saying, "When's my time? When's my time? I'm never going to see the field here." So yeah, and. And with the new transfer portal, that's everybody's question. Yeah. You know, how do you keep guys around? And I think a lot of what Gaddis's comments were about prepping one through three were geared towards that. Yeah. You know, trying to keep him because you don't know. Yeah. You don't. I mean, he's from Florida too. Right. So, what's to say that he doesn't just say, you know, what the hell of this, and he goes down and plays with Lane Kiffin? Yeah. Because I guarantee you, if he transfers out, he's going to go back to the state of Florida, yeah. and I bet you Lane Kiffin, be, hey, yeah, come here, I'll take you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a fine line. You got to tiptoe because you got to win games, and you're at a place like Michigan where you you don't get those opportunities to play your third and fourth strings as much. Yeah. But. You got to try to find time, and hopefully, games like Middle Tennessee and Rutgers and maybe Illinois, you can get Shea out in the first half, and then Dylan play or yeah, Dylan plays the third quarter, and Joe Milton gets the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean yeah. those are situations that, as a coaching staff, they have to be looking to, but nobody truly knows what these kids are thinking. Yeah, so it has to be in the back of their mind, and it should be, because if you look at what's coming behind. Uh, Joe Milton, Cade McNamara is a good quarterback. Yeah. They just uh, J.D. Johnson, who yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of hype, but he's already a four star, and he started five games in high school as a junior because he was behind Spencer Rattler. Yeah. So I mean, wait till he gets a full senior season of tape, and who knows where he goes. And then they already have J.J. McCarthy in the fold for next year's class, who is rated as I think the number two quarterback in the 2021 cycle. So quarterbacks finally starting to look better yeah. for Michigan. It's been a black hole for. Eons, it probably seems like past decade. Chad Henney, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It would have been Ryan Mallett, but yeah, I don't know. So, quarterback, I don't have the concerns with. Uh, we go to running back. Obviously, the loss of Chris Evans because of the academic things hurts because he's really your only experienced back that would have came back. But you do have, they say, five guys in that rotation right now and none of them have been really featured Mm -hmm. as running backs. I mean, True Wilson's the biggest name and he was a walk-on. I love what True Wilson has. He's very intelligent, very smart and heady, knows the game. Great pass blocker, so that's going to get you on the field no matter what. And then you have Christian Turner, who is the flashy kind of Man, he's the home run hitter kind of guy, yeah. it seems like. I mean, he hit that first play of the game against, in the bowl game against Florida last year. That's a 48-yard touchdown, I think, but he stepped out of bounds. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's shown the flash. He's shown it, and they rave about him. And then the big name that everybody's talking about is Zach Charbonnet, the freshman who, by all intents and purposes, probably should have been a five-star, but he didn't play in the – one of the all-star games because he was hurt, so he stayed right outside of five-star range. He played in the highest league in California and absolutely dominated it. I mean, every single – I mean, Barton Simmons from 24-7 Sports just raves about this kid. And it sounds like he's a – He's a gym rat. They can't keep him out of the weight room. Like he just, 
He always wants to be around. He's limited. He was an early enrollee, but he's a little limited because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Then it was uh, it was an injury they knew about, I guess, from what I've been hearing that he needed some minor surgery on his knee. It wasn't like a it wasn't like an ACL or MCL or anything. I think he just had some cleaning up they needed oh. to do in his knee. But they knew about it. That's why they wanted him to early enroll, I guess, because they knew he needed this procedure. Then he can come in early enroll. The school does it, mm-hmm. and it's all there, and it's done, and he's ready to go. And I guess he's a full go now. So running back would be interesting because it's by far our thinnest position. But I think there's talent there. Yeah, I do. And with this new style of offense and the next position we're going to talk about, it kind of takes a little bit off of the running backs because you don't have to be that focused. You don't need Karan Higdon. You don't need Mike Hart. You don't need those guys with what's what else is on offense because your offense is so deep. And what I was referring to is wide receivers. It's ungodly deep. I mean, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins who come back off of very good years last year. Nothing great, but they're very good years. And then Tariq Black, who been he's been hurt two years in a row, yep. broke both of his feet. It's like the I guess it was the exact same break on opposite feet. Jeez. Like kids got the worst luck in the world, but when he was a true freshman, he was the best receiver on the team before he got hurt. Yeah. I mean he was blowing everybody away. So you really just hope he comes back, he's healthy, and it sounds like he's been a full go, mm-hmm. but Gaddis's comments were he's behind the eight ball because he's still just getting everything yeah. going again. So if you have those three healthy, you oh, put yeah. Black and Nico on the outside and let DPJ run the slot because I think he's a I think he's a better route runner and you need a good route runner in the slot. So that's a pretty big slot receiver too. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's six I think he's six three, but then you but Black's six four and yeah. Nico's six six. So I mean you know, and in with this style of offense, you need to be able to rotate receivers. And it sounds like they got them to be there. With those, those are your big three. And then uh, Mikey Sainris, still the true freshman out of Massachusetts, is like everybody's favorite name right now. This kid is—he's a quick twitch, you know, typical slot guy. He's that guy that Michigan hates to face usually because it's you're gonna run in bubble screens and rub routes and stuff all day long, and he's just lightning fast, one step and he's gone. Same thing with Giles Jackson and George Johnson, um, true freshmen, both quick twitch, both slot kind of guys. I see—I don't think both of those two will be much in the rotation. Maybe Giles because he actually played running back some in high school, so he can kind of maybe they line him up, move him around. I think George Johnson probably red shirts of the true freshman. I think he's the one that's most likely to redshirt, but. Uh, then you throw in uh, Ronnie Bell from last year. Made a couple plays, nothing big, but he's another guy. He's a good speed guy, fast, can kind of play that slot route, maybe take the top off. Along with uh, Nate, Nate Shanley, who was a, red, or a walk-on, who they just love. I mean, they, he's not flashy. He's not sexy. He's not a burner. He's that guy that's going to run that 10-yard in, and he's going to catch the ball and be ready to get his head taken off. He's just that kind of guy you love to have. So they rave about him. I mean, I wrote down nine wide receivers yeah, that's... that could really play, and the one that I thought was going to redshirt, I was like, yeah, there's no reason for him to play as another true freshman, but Gaddis blew him up in his presser. Cornelius Johnson, kid out of Connecticut, had a huge all-star game. I think he had three touchdowns in the all-star game that he went to. Gaddis said this kid is everything he's been advertised plus some. He's extremely intelligent, so he has taken this offense on so fast that it's it's been easy for him. So that'll be interesting. I mean, I got – Four redshirt or true freshmen that 
could be in rotation. I mean, yeah, that's you recruited a lot of them, and you're recruiting a lot of them in this next class. So we'll see. Uh, tight end, which I know everybody hates to hear the word tight end out in Michigan because we don't want to see three of them on the field. You won't. <laughs> it's not going to happen with us. Gaddis like alluded to that in this conference. But Sean McCune, Nate Eubanks, Mustafa Muhammad, and then true freshman Eric All. Uh, those are the four names you'll hear. Um, Eric All. It sounds like. They wanted to play because he's just he's a he's a he's a kind of like a Zach Gentry, okay. a big body, and they said he has amazing hands. He played in a wing T offense in high school. They said so he's a little. It's a different fit. Yeah, he's coming into a different role. He's got to get bigger to be a true tight end. I think he's only around like two fifteen to two twenty. Yeah, so he's gonna have to ball. They need him to put weight on. So, but McCune's been getting rave reviews all spring, all summer. They just love him. Nick Eubanks is a, a deep ball threat, and Mustafa Muhammad is a monster. So I haven't. They haven't been talking as much about Mustafa, but he was a huge recruit when they got him. Like it was, the, he was the number one tight end in their class. So, but he hasn't. They haven't been a whole lot of talk about him. But I don't know. It'll be interesting because you don't really know how much the tight end's going to get used with the scheme. Yeah. I mean, I, I do obviously always have a tight end, but you know how much are they in and out? And then the last part of the offense is the offensive line, which is always you know the most important and. I think the Michigan offensive line is in a position that they haven't been in, I don't know, 12, 15 years. Yeah. They are so deep. You return four out of five starters, and the right tackle position, which is the only position that, I mean, it was flat out, they, they said it, and it that never happens that the right tackle position is really the only position battle. So, and that's Jalen Mayfield and Andrew Stuber. Mayfield, who is a redshirt freshman. Great athlete. They got him up over 300 pounds now, which was the big thing. Get the size on him so he can compete. And Stuber played last year when Juwan Bushel Beatty got hurt. So he's got game experience. So you have those two going back and forth. Sounds like it's a good battle. Yeah. I mean, they're both pushing each other. But the other four spots with Runyon coming back after an all Big Ten season is nice on the left side. Then Ben Bredesen's your captain, your senior on the interior. A lot of talk about him being a top three round pick, you know, next year as, as an offensive lineman. Cesar Ruiz, who's a junior center, who was the number one center at IMG. When he came out, he's a true junior, so he didn't redshirt. He's been playing. And then Big Mike on Wenyu. I always butcher that name. That dude's huge. That dude is a monster. But they say that he's lost weight, but he's still listed over 350 pounds. Yeah. Didn't I see something like his body fat percentage was just... Lowest on the team. Yeah. He's the lowest body mass index on the team. It's That's insane. They, they, I saw a picture of it on his Instagram of him in a suit. You would not be able to convince me that that dude weighs over 350 pounds. Yeah. He just he's just a he's a monstrous human being. Yeah. But behind him there's so much depth between guys like Chuck Filiaga and Ryan Hayes, who was a tight end that they put like sixty pounds of weight on to be an offensive tackle. He's up to almost three hundred pounds. Getting raved about. Steven Spinellis is kinda like your your flex guy on the middle. He can play all three interior spots. And then I think they, they brought in six freshmen on this offensive line class. The hope is that all six of them can redshirt. There's there's a no reason that any of them should play is kind of what I've gathered, and if anybody did, it sounds like Nolan Rumler would be the only one, and that's just because he is they in typical Michigan years he'd be starting okay because he, he's just he's that guy that's he's further along than the rest of them but so deep on that offensive line it's it's a great feeling because. Our offensive line, uh, I can't remember the last yeah. time our offensive line was this good. Maybe the Jake Long years. Yeah, was, that's that one, though. I mean, Jake Long. you don't have it usually where you can redshirt a sixth offensive line class and then know that you're probably going to lose 
You're losing at least two, probably three starters next year because I imagine if Ruiz has the year that everybody's anticipating, he's going to go, but you never know. So offense as a whole, I'm super, super, super high on because there's just so much talent. You need an offensive line to be good, and that's probably one of our best spots yeah. on the team is the offensive line. So, And, you know, it, I've asked you this before, um, and, you, and you mentioned you talked about it, about Harbaugh being the CEO and just letting his guys run with it. I mean, the question in the back of my mind is, is Harbaugh that personality that can he keep his nose out of it if you sputter? Um, I think a positive for you is looking at the way your schedule lines up. You say you sputter, say you sputter in Madison, you got to bounce back against Rutgers. Right. Then you have Iowa, and then if you struggle against Iowa, you got Illinois. I mean, you've what I think really helps your program so much this year, and to that point about Harbaugh keeping his nose out, that last stretch where you've got Notre Dame, State, Indiana, and Ohio State on that clump, that's the only area I would worry about, but I feel like you're going to be at that point where you've already got it figured out. By that point in the year, if you don't have it figured out, you're, you're up shit creek without a pack yeah. anyway. So. Yeah, I, I really think your, your schedule even lines up well to allow for Harbaugh to be that CEO. Right. You've got a tough game, then you've got one you can play Shea two two quarters and let your other guys play. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, like I said, the offense supposed to be the strength, talked about to be the strength. We'll see. And if Harbaugh keeps his nose out of it, I think that's only for the better. So we'll uh We'll go to the defense a little bit here, and obviously it's Don Brown, so a lot of people got a bad taste in their mouth because of what happened against Ohio State, and yeah, it happens. It was it was a bad game plan. They've owned it, said that we took it lightly. That was that was on us. We can't do that. We got to be better, and they're trying to be better. And obviously, the big notes of the defense is you lost the the four guys yeah. essentially with Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, Devin Bush, and David Long. So it's huge. Yeah, you got you got to return all those pieces. It's a lot of production. Um, but the other thing about those four guys is every single one of them was hurt at one point last season, yeah. except for I think Devin Bush. And he, if he was, it was only for a half. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, other guys got to play behind him. They got some game experience, yeah. so that helps a little bit in for this year because they our defense is young, but it's experienced youth yeah. because they have seen game time. So a lot of talk on the defensive line, how their people are skeptical about it because there's not a whole lot of interior defensive line help. I mean, right now it sounds like it's Michael Dwumfor and Carlo Kemp in the middle, which isn't bad. That's solid. But the problem you get to is behind that, it's thinner because then you have Donovan Jeter, who's bulked up, had a good camp so far, they've said. And then the next three guys you have in there are two true freshmen in Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, who was a five-star. But one of the people I listen to podcast-wise always says that even even five-star true freshmen defensive linemen always suck. I mean, it's just it, that's a hard spot to come into and immediately be – an impact player. So those two are going to have to play. They're both going to have to burn their red shirts just for sheer depth. And then the other name is Ben Mason. Uh, He's up to 280. They have put severe weight on him because they want him on the field. They're not having a fullback anymore. So he's not going to be on offense. 
He can't play linebacker. Yeah. Just so you know what? He's mean. He's got a motor. Let's put weight on him. Put him in the trenches. And that could be fun. So it, it, it's interesting. That's a very interesting product. So I mean, there, there's six guys for the middle, the two middle spots. Two or three of them have got a lot of minutes. Play a lot. The other three, not really. So it'll be interesting. That's the biggest question mark for me, but. Don Brown talks about how fast this defensive line is, and it's the fastest defensive line he's ever had, and that's so that 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 helps. You know, I mean, you can't teach speed because that's where you get to the edge, and I think our defensive ends are going to be phenomenal. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is getting monstrous reviews from everybody. I mean, his lineage is huge. His dad and uncle, obviously, huge names in the NFL. And then Cody Pay on the other side. Don Brown said that Cody Pay is the best defensive lineman he's coached in a long time. Said the kid's technique, or it was his best technical defensive lineman he's ever coached. Like, technique-wise, he can beat anybody because his technique is so good. And then behind them, you bring in Mike Dana, the Central Michigan transfer. Pro Football Focus loves him. I mean, he's like, I think he was 22nd on Pro Football Focus's defensive players in the country. And so, I mean, that's big. Obviously, he played in the max. Competition wasn't good. And people say, well, they played Michigan State last year and he didn't do anything. And my argument to that is, well, when you're on Central and you're the only playmaker, guess yeah. what? They're either going to run away from you or they're going to double and triple team you because yep. there's nobody else on your team that's going to beat me. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. It sounds like he's mature and a good leader, so that helps. But um, And then on the other side is Luigi Villain, who is a, was a high, highly touted prospect, been hurt a lot. Don Brown mentioned him in his presser and even knocked on wood when he said he's healthy right now. So what is you know what can he bring? Can he be healthy? Because... He was rated high. He was a high-rated recruit, so he's got the talent. Can he stay healthy? And then the wild card is Josh Uche because he's yeah. going to play linebacker a lot of the time. But you better believe in third down and long, there's going to be four DNs on the field, and you're going to have to account for him because that dude is like shooting a bullet out of a gun. Yeah. Yeah, so for the DNs, I mean, it's it's – there's a lot of talent, a lot of speed, a lot of a lot of, elect- of electricity there. I, that's going to be exciting, I think, because you can rotate them through and keep guys fresh. So we'll roll into linebackers a little bit, and obviously the big glaring hole is how do you replace Devin Bush? Uh, in my opinion, one of the best middle linebackers that Michigan's ever had. I mean, you put him up there with David Harris in my mind. He's yeah. he's generational. It he was, looked and he looked really good in his preseason game. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, ten tackles and a pass breakup or yeah. something. So yeah, he looked good. My big thing with him is you don't try to replace him with one player. Yeah. Like there's not a player on your roster that's gonna replace him, so don't try. You gotta do it with by committee. I mean, you have what are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, six guys five truly that have a ton of in-game experience coming back with Kalik Hudson, Josh Ross, Devin Gill, Jordan Anthony, and Jordan Glasgow. So, I mean, those five guys alone have seen snaps. They've played a lot. Uh, Hudson's obviously your leader there at the Viper position. And I think early in the year last year, he got those two targeting penalties, and he's been open about it and said that that happened and he changed his game because he was afraid of getting kicked out of games. So, hopefully he's got himself mentally in the right place where he can just be free and play again. Uh, Ross gets, Don Brown loves him. He said, I don't ever have to worry about him. He's always in the right place. He's smart. He works hard. So I I think Ross is going to be the name that sticks out as far as an every down guy that's going to kind of be that 
that leader in the middle of it. Devin Gill, he's kind of got the bad rap of it all because he was next to Bush and Ross and Hudson, and when there was mistakes that happened, it seemed like it was always him just because he was put in that spot to be that guy. So it'll be interesting to see if he can rebound himself and get back a good footing and and play well. I don't know if he starts or if Cam McGrone starts. Uh, Cam McGrone is... <laughs> he He's Devin Bush 2.0. He is mean. He is fast. I mean, he is cut from the same cloth of what Devin Bush was. If you watch his recruiting tape, it's stupid. So he's been getting good reviews from Brown, too. He's going to play. Wouldn't be at all surprised if Cam McGrone jumps Devin Gill and he's playing the majority of those snaps with Glasgow and Ross and Hudson. And then Anthony, I think, will be Ross's backup. It's just not his year yet. I mean, he's a good talent, good player. I think he'll just be a depth guy. And then next year, he probably steps in and plays a little bit more. But it's just he's got a lot of talent in front of him. Jordan Glasgow is just another one. He's a Glasgow. I mean, yeah. That, those, yeah. There's a lineage there. Those guys just show up. They walk on to Michigan, and they get drafted in the NFL. So, I mean, I don't know. Jordan's obviously the lower end of the brothers, but he's still – he's he played – like he plays in like every team. Yeah. He's on all the special teams. He's on defense. I mean, there's a reason. So the guy hustles. He's a gamer. So linebackers will be good. The, the guy, obviously, we'll see how Hudson bounces back, and we'll see how they replace Bush. But I think Ross and McGrone are two names to watch. I think I think Cam McGrone's going to be really good, and, and Ross just sounds like he's, he's built for the position. So uh, another part of the defense that's question mark because you did lose David Long. And now Ambry Thomas is dealing with health issues. Is the back end, so you you have Metellus coming back, who I, I will admit I'm not a huge fan of. I've had my beefs with him, and in both games we lost, he were parts of big mistakes. But coaching staff loves yeah. him. I mean, they say he's a leader, that he's he's stepping up and he's owning stuff. So hopefully, senior year, he can make those big plays and be that guy. And you have Levert Hill as your number one corner. He's another Detroit kid playing corner that's just going to get drafted and make a career of being a cornerback. He's a stud, so that shuts down one side of the field, which is nice. And then, like I mentioned, Avery Thomas was going to be your number two corner from El- from what it talked about, but he's he's dealing with some kind of illness. They've never they haven't said what it was. I've heard that it was mono, and then I heard maybe it was something else. And he's healthy, but he's not cleared by the doctors to start practicing full. So he's been working on the side. Kind of almost sounds like he's over whatever it was, and now it's getting his. Like he, it sounds like he lost a bunch of weight. Mm. So maybe he's getting his health back up, getting his stamina back up, getting his wind about him, and he'll be a huge piece because he's he's lightning fast and he's going to be your number two corner. So with him down, it leaves a spot for guys to to step up, and it sounds like it's Vincent Gray, redshirt freshman. The staff loves him. I mean, Miles Sims transferred out. And it sounds like because he got jumped by Vincent Gray on the depth chart. I mean, Sims was the, the high-end corner that they had in that class. Gray was kind of a guy that, like, eh, we'll take him. Michigan always wanted him from the sounds of it, but it was a we'll take him last yeah. minute, kind of stay off the radar with him. And it sounds like right now he's, he's right there in the mix to be that number two corner. And the other guy that they've talked about and tossed around is one of the green twins. I can't remember if it's Jermaine or Jermon. I can't remember which one plays which spot. But that's another guy they've talked about in the corner spot. And then you go back to the safety spot. 
with Metellus. Um, right now, it's, it sounds like Brad Hawkins is the guy that's really stepped up and taken over a little bit with the fact that Tyree Cannell left, so there's a hole. And everybody says, well, Daxton Hill, five-star stud, superstar, top 20 guy, he's going to start there. He just got there Jan- or June 1st. So, I mean, he's got to go through the bridge program and get from high school to college, get all his academics in line, and it's hard. They just started camp, and it sounds like he hasn't had a full practice yet because of this bridge program. So it, it's hard to get it to get him acclimated. I do think by the end of the year, it'll probably be Daxton Hill that's back there because he's just that good of a talent. And that means Brad Hawkins probably just drops down and is your nickel. Yep. I mean, he's he's fast. He can he's got experience. Uh, two other names in the back end are Jalen Kelly Powell and Jameric Woods. Safety's corners kind of interchangeable however they need to be. The more veteran guys, I think they're both juniors, Richard juniors. So, I mean, they've got more veteran experience. They're just they're just behind some some guys that are no more are higher touted, I guess. So it'd be interesting to see how Amory does with his his injury or illness and then where how quickly Daxton Hill comes along. But you got Metellus, you got Brad Hawkins, you got Levert Hill. So those three names are going to kind of be a focal point, and then who steps up with Vincent Gray, can Amory Thomas get healthy, and how quick is Daxton Hill ready? The good part about it is, if you look at Michigan's schedule, like you said, Middle Tennessee to start, should be a cakewalk. Yep. Army, they might throw it five times, so your secondary is not really going to get pressed in pass coverage, and then you have a bye week, then you go to Wisconsin. Yeah. So your first four week, your first month of the season, there's not a whole lot of big passing threats. Yeah. So you've got time to either get Ambry healthy or get these other guys acclimated to playing Big Ten college football. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a benefit for that position being thinner. So, I mean, as a whole, the defense is, is replacing a lot. I still think with what Don Brown and what the rest of that staff is, it's still a top 20 defense. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be a top five. I'd be surprised if it's a top 10. But you still can win with a top 20 defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still you can still get to where you need to get with it. Um, any other questions you had on the defense? No. Um, I really don't have any too many questions on defense. Uh Got a solid unit. Got some question marks. Like you said, you don't you don't think it's going to be a top ten defense. I would agree. Uh, I feel like with that offense, you might you might not need that defense to carry you like right. you have these past several years. Sure. Yep. So and then I'll real quick I'll hit special teams and recruiting. Special teams is, in my opinion, this probably the most comfortable unit we have because you bring back two kickers who have both had huge success. Obviously, Quinn Nordine being the big name kind of got into a funk. He's the more emotional, high-energy guy. Missed a couple kicks. Harbaugh and him got an argument. Things got a little ugly. Jake Moody steps in and just proceeds to bang kicks through like it's nothing. So that's an interesting battle to yeah. see who wins. It's a good problem to have, I guess. you got a calm, level-headed Jake Moody and an emotional, high-energy Quinn Nordine. I mean, pick your poison. See yeah. kind of how that goes. I love that spot. And then... Punter Will Hart and Brad Robbins. Brad Robbins is a scholarship punter, which is rare. Yeah, that's so obviously there's something there. Um, it sounds like he's pushed Will Hart, who I believe he won Big Ten Punter of the Year last year. Yeah. If he didn't, he was the top couple. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Will Hart will be a Ray Guy finalist. So that kid just he has improved leaps and bounds. But last year was a phenomenal. So kicker punter. I got no worries. I think those two are strong. In the return game, the big question is, is Avery healthy? 
because he was your kick returner. If he's not ready to go, this is where I think Giles Jackson, the true freshman, comes in because he is just electric. So, and then punt returner, DPJ was the Big Ten punt returner of the year. Yeah. I think, yeah, you don't want to put any more stress on him, but you got enough receivers. You don't fix what isn't broken there. You put him back to return punts still, so... Special teams-wise, really confident. I feel good about it. Chris Partridge is still running that, too, and he seems to always find ways to get block field goals or punts or something. They always find a way to throw that in there. So I like the special teams. Then just a couple of recruiting things because I, I could do a whole podcast by myself on recruiting. Um, the class coming in this year looks pretty good right now. It's top ten right now in the country. Headlined by guys like Braden McGregor in the state DN, AJ Henning, a wide receiver out of Illinois. Um, those are kind of the two big names in the class. It doesn't look like it's going to be a class that has like the high end, the Daxton Hill, the five star, the Zach Charbonnet kind of guys. But it's, there's a lot of guys in that like seventy to to three hundred range. Okay. There's a lot of guys in there. I mean, and they're still in play for a couple big names too. So. I think they're at like 25 or 26 guys right now. It's yeah. it's a big class, but there's always attrition with transferring, like we talked about. So I think that's going to be the new norm with Michigan. I think you're going to see them taking 25 to 28 guys every class, just because you guys are going to leave. I mean, that's just that's the nature of the beast anymore. So there's I, I like the class. I like what it looks like going forward, and there's 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 good potential, and there's some big targets that they're still on. So I mean, that's kind of my that's my abbreviated version. I could go a lot further if I wanted to, but um, I think we've kept you probably here long enough. This is going to be our longest episode, no doubt. So, um, Blaine, did I answer all your questions, or do you have anything else you want um, to ask me about Michigan? No, you, you really did. Um, I guess my, my last question for you, and it's kind of similar to what you asked me, is if you say Harbaugh in Michigan – Say they end up, say they end up nine and three this season. Is Harbaugh in trouble? If you ask the peanuts out in Twitter, yes. If you ask anybody that matters, no. Yeah. Because I and I always argue with people about it. Who's better? Yeah. Who's gonna come to Michigan? Yeah. Have the a the support of everybody, but from donors and staff and everybody alumni. And B, just the experience and knowledge of Michigan and football in general. Who are you going to go out and get? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but at what point do you keep killing it with the recruiting game, keep having all these stud players, and you don't beat Ohio State, you don't win a Big Ten title, you say you lose to Michigan State? Like, at what? I mean, it, understandably, 9 and 3 is an incredible record for college football. But like you've said, you've got your Michigan. You've got this heritage. You've got this history. Sure. You've got this following, this mass. At what point, to me, do you not start to say, hey, you're bringing in all this stuff. That's great. But we're we're going to play in the Peach Bowl every year or we're going we're going to play in the Holiday Bowl or we're not playing when it matters. Right. I mean uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's easy for us to look at it and say that, yeah. but if you look at everything else that he is doing and he I mean, yeah. the university looks at more than wins and losses and obviously we don't. Right. But I don't know. I I don't I think he's a long ways away from the university being on that hot yeah. seat. I mean, I but 
if, if it's a if it's a seven and six, eight and five type year, then it starts to get warmer because there's no excuse for that. Yeah. But I don't know. I I just I think I don't I don't see it being that real. I mean, yeah. And you know, and I I I would agree with that. And I mean, as a state fan, it pains me to say that, but <laughs> because I mean, our past success or past history before D'Antonio. What 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 did we have? And so I mean, it. You had Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. Before he was really Nick Saban. Yeah, before he was Nick Saban, went to the <laughs> Dolphins, and Miami changed as a man. I guess. He made a deal with the devil. Apparently. Yeah, made a deal with the devil. Uh, but no, I, I I would agree with you. I I think you're lucky, especially in the Big Ten, if you can finish ten and two, nine and three. I do think though that at least for me as a person or as a fan. Uh, especially when you're at the prestiges of Michigan, that if you you're not winning Big Ten titles, you're not winning divisions. Why are you here? Yeah. I mean, I, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's your your goal is to win championships. True. It's not to finish second or third or fourth or Hell State sixth and seventh. Let's but, just beat Ohio State. That's all. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. Maybe that's that one time. We'll yeah. There. All right, so that's going to wrap this episode up. I know it was a longer one. We warned you it was going to be a longer one. I tried not to ramble too much, but um, appreciate all you guys listening in. Um, We are going to take next week off just because this is a much longer episode. Give some people some time to listen to it, digest it, get their thoughts compiled together. If you come up with any questions or anything, hit us up with your questions anywhere, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever you want. And then we should be back on the 22nd. That's kind of still up in the air, but right now it looks like we're going to record our next episode on the 22nd, and we'll get into the season and picks and stuff like that. So, Lenny, why don't you hit him with the social media one more time? Yeah. Uh, make sure you guys look us up on Twitter at Spartans Wolverines Beards Podcast or on Facebook, uh, Spartan Wolverines Beards Podcast. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for asking us questions this week, commenting on stuff. Please keep that going. Uh, we... We really enjoy answering your guys' questions, engaging in some good debating. Uh, I feel like it's going to probably be amping up here in the next couple weeks, so we definitely look forward to that. Uh, More than anything, uh, we want to thank our wives, uh, Kendra and Randy for Jordan. Uh, Thank you guys for being cool with us, taking some time out of the week just to sit down, shoot the shit, and talk some sports. Appreciate it. Appreciate all of you. Uh, We'll see you soon. Go green. Go blue.